All right. Your Bibles tonight, did I say 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5? And I want to read some verses here just briefly, and we're going to jump back into our series of messages that we're in on great words of the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, page 1270, if you have an old Schofield Bible. And let me begin reading in this chapter in just a moment. Uh, don't forget our Sunday, our, our, the Lord's Day this coming Sunday. We're looking forward to a good day in church. And I'm looking forward to preaching Sunday morning. I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but I'm looking forward to hearing whatever it is. And I hope you'll pray that God will just meet with us and help us. Bless our buses, our Sunday school, bless our teachers. Don't forget to pray for your teacher and pray for the choir and the singing, the musicians, the whole service. And ask the Lord to give us a good day on Sunday. I know one thing. I think He wants to give us a good day. And we need to just pray and ask Him for it. We have not because we ask not. So let's ask Him for it and pray for a good day in God's house on Sunday. Well, when I talk about the land of Canaan, you know, a lot of people think Canaan is a picture of heaven. You've heard that before. Uh, but, but Canaan is not a picture of heaven. It's really a picture of the victorious Christian life. It's really a picture of the, of the spirit-filled life and, and the life of joy. Uh, when God's people walk in victory and we walk uh, at, at being filled with the Holy Spirit, the end result is going to be joy. Well, beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, we, we have what I guess we could call the seven steps to the land of Canaan. Uh, I'm, and I'm talking about in the life of the believer, those of us that are saved, seven steps that we ought to take to live the victorious, the uh, spirit-filled Christian life. Look at verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. That's two. Number two. Number three. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Number four. Quench not the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Number five, despise not prophesyings. Let me, let me use a word that you and I would be a little bit more familiar with. Verse 20, despise not preaching. Amen. Number, number six, number next, number six. Look at verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Number seven, abstain from all appearance of evil. I, I want to call your attention to verse 21, prove all things. And then in Forsyth County language, hang on to that which is good. Amen. We're in a series of messages and, and have been so for quite a while uh, that I've entitled Bible words that every child of God ought to know. You know, as a child of God, there are some things we just ought to prove ourselves. And once we find it to be true, we ought to just hold on to that. It's a series of sermons that's really based upon prominent words that's found throughout the Word of God that you and I, as God's people, ought to be familiar with as we live out these last days. Now, of course, at Woodland, we believe and always have believed uh, that every book of the Bible is inspired of God. We believe every chapter is inspired. We believe every verse is inspired, and therefore we believe that every word in the Bible is inspired by God and of God. And therefore, every word of the Bible becomes very important to us as God's people. I've told you this before, but spending time in the Word is like spending time with the Word. 
When you and I spend time in the Word of God, it's like spending time with Jesus because one of the names that Jesus has given in the Bible is the Word. So as you and I spend time in the Word, we're spending time with the Word, with the Lord Jesus. And that's why it's important for us every day of our life to spend time in the Word of God. And we believe the Bible is God's sole authority for our lives. How we live our lives, how we manage our churches, we find it in the Word of God. As somebody has once said, the Bible is beneath us to give us a foundation to build upon. The Bible is around us to give us boundaries to govern our lives that we might not mess up. The Bible is within us to grow and develop our faith. And the Bible is above us to guide us as we live for the Lord upon this earth. Thank God for the Bible. We should know it in our heads. We should stow it in our hearts. We should show it in our lives. And we should sow it out here in this world. We should know our Bibles. We've been trying to get acquainted with various words found throughout the Word of God. I've been calling our attention over these Wednesday evening services to what I would feel to be some of the important, all the words of the Bible important, but some of the words that we ought to really get a hold of, or as our scripture said here, uh, to hold fast that which is good. I've used, for this series of sermons, I've used our English alphabet as like an acrostic or an acronym to kind of introduce these words to us from the Bible. And tonight we come all the way down to the 25th letter of our English alphabet or the letter Y. Now, in case you're wondering what happened to the letter X, I can tell you this. There ain't no words in our King James Bible that begins with the letter X. I couldn't even make any up. I found this out. Listen to this. There are only 120 words in the whole entire English language that begins with the letter X. Probably the most popular word that begins with the letter X is, is the word X-ray. Followed by this one. Boy, this is a good one. Xanax. Has anybody got one I can have right now? Oh, that's just a moment of senility right there. Xanax. By the way, you say, preacher, that begins with a Z. No, it don't. I looked it up. It begins with the letter X. Xanax. Xanax. Followed by the word xylophone. That begins with the letter X. There, there are no words in our King James Bible that begin with the letter X. In fact, let me tell you this. We have a king in our Bible in the book of Esther who's named King Ahasuerus. In history, he was called Xerxes. That's with the letter X. But his name, Xerxes, doesn't even appear in the Bible. So in reality, man, we're at a loss when we come to the letter X. There ain't nothing we can do with it except just pass right over it. So tonight, we now come to the letter Y. Let me tell you a little bit about the letter Y in our Bible. First of all, just like the last four letters that we've gone over, U, V, W, X, and now Y, there are no books in our Bible that begin with the letter Y. As far as people's names go in the Bible, I've only found one person, one man in the Bible whose name possibly begins with the letter Y. Let me show it to you. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 3. I entreat thee also, true, and then there's the word, yoke fella. Now, there's some disagreement on the behalf of Bible people of whether that's a name or whether that's maybe just a term that was used for a very close companion or a close friend. I don't know. 
But that's the closest thing to a name that we have in all of our Bible when it comes to the subject of men and why names. Then I moved on to the ladies in our Bible whose name begins with a letter Y. And here's what I found. And having established that, there are no ladies in our Bible whose name begins with the letter Y. As far as places in the Bible, once again, went through the Bible and found absolutely no places in our Bible that begin with the letter Y. So I tell you, I'm really struggling here. But never fear. I've come up with enough words to make a sermon out of them. All right? So here are some great why words in the Bible that we ought to be familiar with as we live out these last days. First of all, let's look at the word right here, the word yield. The word yield. Now, that's a good Bible word. In fact, that word in some form or another is mentioned 41 times in the Bible. Let's play the synonym game. Boy, I use this a lot and when I'm doing marital counseling. I say, all right, let's play the synonym game. Let's play the synonym game. What are some synonyms for the word yield? You remember synonyms are words that doesn't necessarily sound alike, but they have a, a, a same, they're in the same ballpark of a meaning. So a synonym of the word yield is this one, the word surrender, the word to permit, the word to relinquish or to give way or to defer. You know, that's a good word in our Bible because that one word, yield, tells us that every, what every child of God ought to do when it comes to their walk with God. We ought to yield to God. We ought to give way to God. We ought to surrender to God. We ought to relinquish to God. You know, the Bible reminds us over and over again about the, and using the word yield, that there are some things we should yield to and there are some things we should not yield to. I'm just using a Bible word. So let's look at this verse right here. Watch this one. Romans 6, 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Now that's what we're not to yield to. And the Bible, when it talks about the members, it's talking about the members of our body. Like my hands are members of my body. My legs are members of my body. My eyes and my ears and my mouth is the members of my body. And that verse says, hey, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't surrender the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness to go out and practice sin. Well, that's good advice, isn't it? Don't yield yourself. Don't give way. Don't surrender. Don't defer the members of your body. Be careful what you touch. Be sure it's not sin. Be careful what you look at. It's not sin. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Don't yield that away. But this same verse goes on to say this. But yield yourselves unto God. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Amen. Don't yield your bodies to go out here and practice sin. Don't do that. You're a child of God. You know better than that. I'm a child of God. I know better than that. Don't, don't give way to, to, to fleshly desires and then use your body, by the way, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't use your body. God lives in our bodies. Our bodies are God's churches. God lives there. So whatever you do, when God's there, in there, don't use your members to go out and practice sin, but yield your members, yield your body unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members, your members of your body as instruments of righteousness 
unto God. Can I give you a good verse that goes along with that? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the word here. Look at this same chapter, Romans 6. Look at this one. Know you not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom you obey. In other words, if I go out of here and I yield the members of my body to unrighteousness to practice sin, I'm going to get into bondage to sin. And my life is just going to become one big old, one big old chain of, of, uh, of addiction and bondage to sin. If I yield to my fleshly desires and I yield the members of my body to work unrighteousness, I'm going to be a servant to all that mess. I'm going to be in bondage to all that. But if I yield my body to, uh, and my, the members of my body as, as, as instruments of righteousness, I'm going to be in bondage to God. Well, it's a lot better to be in bondage to God than it is to be in bondage to, in a servitude, uh, servant of sin and Satan. So there's the word yield. Uh, the Bible talks about yielding ourselves. Look at this good verse. Second Chronicles, the Old Testament says this. Uh, uh, now be, be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into his sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. There it is again. Yield yourself. Give way. Surrender. Defer. Relinquish. And whatever other word I said. That's what we're to do unto God. Don't yield to the devil. Don't yield to sin. Don't yield to temptation. Don't yield to righteousness. But yield unto God. Give way unto God. And by the way, there's some good verses, some good promises in our Bible that's attached to the word yield. In Psalms 85, that's a great psalm of revival. Remember this verse? We quoted a lot, but it talks about, maybe it's this one right here. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Revive us again. God calls us to bring us back. Uh, God, God, wake us up. God, give us new life. God, help us, revive us again, that thy people may rejoice. And just a couple of verses right under, the, it says this, Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Now, I get it in the Old Testament, especially the nation of Israel. Man, it was all about agriculture. And I don't know what's all involved in that, but I tell you what, I do like the sound of that land yielding her increase. Amen. Uh, maybe we're not so much as involved in agriculture, but I do like this. Maybe he's saying, and your church will yield her increase. Maybe we'll see some people get saved and our church get revived if we'll just yield ourselves unto the Lord. Submit ourselves unto God. The word yield, that is a good Bible word. And let me just say this, I encourage all of us, including myself and basically myself, let's yield ourselves unto the Lord. So there's a good Bible word, the word yield. How many of y'all are with me? Will you say it with me? Yield. Yield unto the Lord. Yield your members unto righteousness, not unrighteousness, not servants of sin. Whoever we yield to, that's what we're going to be a servant to. Amen. We yield, we yield our members, we yield these eyes to stuff we shouldn't be looking at. 
We're going to become the servant of that kind of stuff. It's going to become a bondage, an addiction in our life. We yield ourselves to uh, our hands to do things that God has strictly forbid us to do. In the Bible, we're going to become a servant. Uh, uh, whoever we yield to is who we're going to serve. Can I have an amen? The word yield. Here's a second good Bible word now. Second good Bible word, and that's the word yoke. Let's talk about the word yoke for just a minute. That word's found 57 times throughout the Bible. And when we think about a yoke, now normally if you're from a country kind of a background, then you'll think about a device. It's usually made out of wood that fits around the neck and the shoulders of two animals that enables them to pull a plow. You know, we talk about a yoke of oxen. And sometimes in the Bible, when you read the word yoke, and, and the word yoke appears, that's what it's referencing. It's referring that, referencing that device that, that animals wore around, wore around them to enable them to do work in the field. It was a yoke. Here's a verse that, that illustrates that. Look at this one here. So, uh, Numbers 19, 2. I've read through this chapter this morning. It's about those ashes of the red heifer. And it says this. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord had commanded, saying, Speaking of the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. Now, what's that talking about? Well, the red heifer, the ashes was going, to be, uh, was going to be burned. It was going to be killed as a sacrifice. The ashes were going to be gathered up. They were going to be mixed in, in pure water, and it was going to be used down through the generations as a, as, a, uh, as, a, as a sanctifying certain vessels that went into the tabernacle. And we hear a lot today about the ashes of the red heifer. You know, we hear today and along those lines about the ashes of the red heifer and how that's going to be used to sanctify to cleanse the, the utensils that's going to go into the rebuilt temple that's going to be rebuilt in the tribulation period. And there have been articles in the, in the paper in recent days about them looking in Israel. They're looking or they have found, I've heard it all, they have found a, a true red heifer that can be the ashes. It can be burned and the ashes can be gathered up and it can be mixed with water and it'll be used to sanctify the, the utensils and the, and the furniture that's going to go into the temple that'll be rebuilt in the tribulation period. But the Bible said whatever, that there could never be a yoke upon that red heifer, a wooden device. But you know more often than not in the Bible, the wearing of the yoke was a picture of being in bondage. Look at this verse right here. This is a good verse. Isaiah 58, 6, it says this, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you may break, and that you break every there it is, yoke. I, it goes back again, you know, when we yield ourselves as, and the members of our body as, 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 uh, to unrighteousness, the yoke of sin is going to come around us. Can I have an amen? The bondage, the yoke of sin. And by the way, if that ain't a picture of a lost person, I don't know what it is. Look at that. Bands, burdens, oppression, yoke. Man, that's a picture of every lost person in this room or in this world. They're, they're, they're in the bands of their sin. Sin, sometimes in the Bible, is depicted like a chain. You know, it wraps itself around you. The tentacles of sin get around you, and it places you in bondage. And by the way, the devil is a master at convincing us, man, we're free to do whatever we want to do when we're all wrapped up in the chains of sin. Isn't that not, is that not amazing how duped, duped that we were 
before we got saved? The Bible said we were blinded by the God of this world who blinds the minds of them which believe not. We thought, ain't nobody going to tell me what I'm going to do. We thought, man, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. And yet, guess what? That sin was just wrapping its bands around us. I don't know what it is. I've dealt with this for years. I don't know what it is. But when anybody gets involved in sexual sin, whether that be pornography, whether it be adultery, whether it be homosexuality, uh, premarital sex, whatever it is, when they get involved in sexual sin, there's something about sexual sin that wraps its cords or its bands so tight around a person, it is hard for that person to ever get free from the bands of that sin. People are in bands. They're, they're bound by their sin. Watch that. They're in the, under the burden of sin. And by the way, not just the burden. What kind of a burden? What's that say? Man, it's a heavy burden. I mean, we think, man, we're having the time of our life. We're free. Uh, we can do whatever we want to, and we don't even realize we're carrying around a heavy burden. Can I ask you a question? Watch this. You think I could enjoy life carrying a chair like this around? Man, I could look at y'all and say, man, I have the time of my life. Woo, it's wonderful to be a sinner. Man, I, nobody tell me what I'm going to do. I'm having a great time. But I'm going to tell you something, man. I ain't going to have to carry this thing long until I start realizing I got a burden on my back. And a lot of people think, man, I'm having fun. This is wonderful. Nobody's going to tell me what I'm going to do. Ain't no burdens on me. And they don't even realize, man, they're carrying around the burden of sin. I can only carry this for so long until I'm going to start getting a little bit tired and a little bit winded. And that's what sin is. It's, a head. it's not just a burden. What kind of a burden is it? Can y'all come get this thing off me? It's about, no, I'm kidding. It's a heavy, it is a heavy burden. Look at that next phrase, oppression. They're oppressed. They're sometimes possessed, but they're oppressed. They're pushed down, they're beat down. And then if all that isn't bad enough, they're wearing a yoke about them. That is a picture of sin. But aren't you glad Jesus came into this world to loose the bands of wickedness? He came into this world to undo the heavy burdens. He came into this world, thank God, to let the oppressed go free. And he came into this world, guess what? To break every yoke. You know why? So we could get in the yoke. Preacher, I hear you right. He breaks a yoke so we can get in the yoke. Preacher, explain the, explain the file that one to us. Well, let me give you a good verse right here. Look at this verse. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my, there it is. You mean a Christian is somebody that gets out of one yoke just to get into another yoke? That's exactly what a Christian is. I come up with a new definition. For years, my favorite definition of a, of a, of a Christian was this one. A Christian is somebody that has a saved soul living in an unsaved body. That's a good one. But can I give you a new definition of what a Christian is? A Christian is somebody who has got out of one yoke so they can get in another yoke. I mean, man, we got out of the yoke of sin. Jesus lifted us out of that only to put us in his own yoke. But now there is a difference. Watch this. Take, I'm sorry, can you go back? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus said, get in the yoke with me. Get in the yoke. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly and ye shall find. Now I'm going to tell you something. Yoke and rest don't go in the same sentence. 
Because when we think about a yoke, we think about a, 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 an oxen pulling a plow. Hey, man, that's hard. That's, that's hard work. But Jesus said, when you take my yoke upon you, you don't work. You rest. And then he went on to say this. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You know what Jesus is saying? Unlike that yoke of sin that's, that, that bound, binds us and weights us down and oppresses us and, 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 and puts us in bondage, Jesus said, when you get out of that yoke, in fact, I came to get you out of that yoke. And when I get you out of that yoke and put you in my yoke, you're going to find my yoke is easy. And my burden is like, you say, preacher, it ain't easy to be a Christian. Let me tell you something. As long as we yield ourselves to God, the, uh, sure, we got troubles and trials. But listen, man, it's easy to be a child of God when you yield yourself to the Lord. So not only is there the word yield, there is the word, the word yoke. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden. You ever, that word easy simply means this. Uh, it means well-fitted. I looked it up, and it means well fit. You ever wore a pair of shoes that didn't quite fit you? I remember when I was growing up, my mom and daddy worked hard. They worked hard, but we never did. We didn't get brand name clothes when I was growing up. Now, I know a lot of y'all, man, you can't wear nothing unless it's got a check on it. And I, I it's okay. If you can afford it, go for it. You don't wear nothing if it ain't got one of those armor, under armor things on it. Or you can't wear nothing if it ain't got a heel figure on it. I mean, man, it's all about the image. My parents worked hard, but I can remember when, when we bought shoes for school, it was at pick and pay, and it was cougars. And I remember one time, Mama found a set of Converse shoes on sale at the pick and pay. Converse. Now, I'm telling you, that was the Nike of that day. Nike was just coming out. Converse was the things. Only problem was it was about two sizes too big for me. I didn't care. It had a Converse emblem on it. So I just got me some toilet paper and rammed it up. I'm true story. Rammed it up in there. But boy, when I got home every day, you talk about blisters. You talk about hurt. But I was about the image, man. I mean, I went from Cougars to Converse. I was finally cool. I looked good. I had a pair of converses on. But can I tell you something? With Jesus, it ain't one size fits all. With Jesus, he puts a yoke about us as we yield and submit and surrender to him. He unloads us of the heavy burden of sin, and we find him not to be a terrible taskmaster, but we find him to be a tender master. Yoke. By the way, while I'm right here, can I stretch this just a little bit further with just one more verse? Talking about a yoke. Look at this one right here. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I want to tell you something. You can use this verse for any aspect of life. And let me just say before I even get started, we're better than nobody else. The only difference between me and a bum on Skid Road on Trade Street tonight is Jesus. That's the only difference. But the Bible warns us that we're not to get into a yoke with an unbeliever. I know this is the 21st century. I get all that. But that Bible is still right. And you get yourself in a yoke with an unbeliever. Let's, let's talk about marriage. You let a believer get in a marital yoke with an unbeliever. And I'm going to tell you something. 
you got nothing but trouble on your hand. Well, I'm going to win them to God. Can I tell you something? 98% of the time, you don't win them to God. They win you to the world. I would encourage every young person in this room tonight, there's more to marriage than he looks good. There's more to marriage than she's beautiful. There's more to marriage than sitting on the couch kissing all the time. Can I have an amen? You better be sure that you're compatible, friend. You better be sure you're on the same. By the way, there's a lot of saved people that are spiritual, and they get in a yoke with a saved person who's unspiritual. That's an unequal yoke. You need to marry somebody that's better than you so they'll pull you up. Iron sharpeneth iron, so says the Bible. When you get ready to get married, don't you go out here looking for some old somebody that lays around out here in the world and, man, they want to do the world's music and do the world. They want to run to the world. Don't you marry. You got better. You know better than do something like that. Oh, my soul. You better marry somebody that's got a little spirituality about them or you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. It bothers me, these girls around here, you young ladies, you save yourself and keep yourself pure and then you give yourself some old unspiritual cockroach around here. Ain't got the spiritual IQ of a box of rocks. What are you thinking about? You say, I'm an, I don't want to be an old maid. I'm 21. <laughs> 21? You got more years. You'll be all right. Wait a while. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, God, therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious. Isaiah 30, 18. I'm telling you, friend, you don't get in an unequal hope. Uh, for instance, look at this right here. I'm going to get off of this, but look at this. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. King James. <laughs> What's he saying, man? An ox and a, and a donkey, man, they, they don't, it won't fit right. There's an unequal, unequal yoke. And them, them animals, man, they're going to struggle all day long. You know why? They're not compatible. They're not, they're not at the same height or in the same place. And, man, they're, they're going to they're gonna pull against each other. I mean, it's just not going to work. And can I tell you something? It ain't going to work. You get out here and get involved in some business dealing with a lost man, it ain't going to work. You get out here and marry some unsaved person, unspiritual person, excuse me, it ain't going to work. You get out here and you get involved in, in some kind of uh, deal with some unsaved person, I mean, the Bible goes on. Put that verse back up there and I'll get off of this in a minute. Well, not that, but that's a good one though. Can I put some names right there on that, that the A word? Can we go back there for just a minute? Let me name a few people I'd like to put right there. I said, can we go back there for just a minute? And no, I'm kidding. All right, get off of that. I'm kidding. Be it not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And then he goes on, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? You can't fellowship with an unsaved person. That we're light, they're darkness. We're no better than them, but we're in the light. They're in the darkness where one is, the other can't be. What, what, uh, what, uh, what communion hath light with dark? You can't improve on the Word of God, and I can save you a lot of heartache going down the road. Man, marry somebody that's on the same spiritual plane, or if not even a higher spiritual plane than you are. Don't you marry just because he looks good. It's more than that. Don't marry just because she looks like Betty, uh, Miss American cooks like Betty Crocker. I'm telling you, she ain't always going to look like that. 
And he ain't always going to look like Fabio, neither. I saw a picture of him the other day. He's ugly, man. He's got old. He's wrinkled. He's ugly. He, got a, he had a, I guess it was a, a woman or something tattooed on his arm. This woman. And he's got old now, and it's sagged, and it looks like a Tyrannosaurus. Running down his arm, man. Ugly. They ain't always going to look like that. Marry saved people. Marry spiritual people. There's a lot of saved people you don't even need to marry because they got, they got no spirituality about them whatsoever. And you're going to wind up regretting that and living with that for the rest of your life if you don't listen to what the Bible said about the yoke. Let's get off of that. And we got to be done. Yield, yoke, and then this one. Yet. Yet. Let me, let me just, if I can, I'll close with this one. That word yet appears 655 times in the Bible. It, that doesn't bother you, but whatever. Yet is a conjunction. A few synonyms for the word yet are these. Still or nevertheless. And what, what I found to be interesting throughout the Bible is usually the word yet is always in a sentence or a verse, a scripture, with the word though. The word though means this. Uh, uh, the word though means in spite of. So it'd be like this. We might say, we played hard, though we lost. Now watch this. Here's where they appear together. Look at this verse. Though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though everything that can go wrong will go wrong in my life, I just want to tell you, I'm going on the record. Job said, I'm going to trust him. Yet, in spite of, nevertheless, I may not be able to explain it. I, I don't understand it all. Uh, though he slay me, uh, uh, in spite of the fact that, that I feel like I'm being done wrong, yet, nevertheless, still, I'm going to trust him. <laughs> Watch this one. Kind of along the same lines. Habakkuk 3.17, Although, though the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now wait a minute before you go on. Go back. Go back to that, that A verse there. I mean to go to. While we're, no, I'm kidding. What he's saying there is, though the worst possible things that can happen, happens. Though all this happens, he said this, Yet, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Look at this one. I'm wrapping this up. Job 10. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Watch this now. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh... Shall I see God? They're going to bury us some of these days. Cheer up. We're dying. We're going to go to the grave. We're going to get buried. The skin worms are going to eat away at us. Ugh. It don't matter. Yet in my flesh, one of these days, a glorified body, I'm going to see God. Watch this one when they're done. Look at this one. Whom having not seen, you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet... Believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. I, I love, I've never seen him, but I love him. I've never seen him, 
Though I have not seen him with the eye, yet I love him. He's a wonderful Savior. All right, first word is what? Second word. Third word. And by the way, can I throw the... Uh, I'm not going to get these, but listen to this. Here's, here's a few more. There's the word youth. Yesterday. Yay. And then there's that A word back there in that verse that I'm hung up on there tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the Bible.